The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Jack Polterak joins us. He has 34 years of experience in IT and information security in a variety of fields, including as a virtual CISO for some time. Jack, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for the opportunity. And I have to mention that we're having a little bit of technical difficulty, so we do not have Jack on video, but that's okay. We're just going to keep on going through. So, Jack, uh, tell us a little bit about your history, how you started, why you started in IT, and how you got to where you're at today. Sure. So, way back when, I loved technology, was introduced to it early, and became um, came into the, in, in an operational type role, service desk, fixing PCs, things of that nature, and progressed over the years. In about 2005 or so, um, handling most of the areas in operational, I started looking at helping businesses or understanding business roles, the security aspects, and really got tired of IT saying, hey, we'll fix everything for you, business, and then having a business rely on IT in that manner and just and forgetting about their role and responsibilities to those type of things. And mm-hmm. In 2009, I started my own managed services company, joined a bigger company in 2017, and now I'm working for an aerospace company, helping them with some compliance issues, um, CMMC, DFARS, primarily in that role. So that's basically it. Oh, yes, and CMMC is is such a big topic nowadays. In fact, I was just right before this recording, I was working on a CMMC risk assessment myself. So I, sure. I can certainly see that being very big out there right now. So, so, okay. So you've seen a lot, you've been, you've been in it for a long time and you've worked with um, all sorts of businesses, including small and mid-sized businesses. Um, what would you say is right now, like a really significant threat to information security for small and mid-sized businesses? You know, from a technical aspect, you know, the, Ransomware, the business email compromise, I think those are your biggest threats. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the understanding by the business what they're responsible for, they can't delegate certain things because in the end, they're responsible for. So those are kind of like the two different areas that I try and help businesses understand to move forward with. So when, when you're talking about delegating, can, can you kind of expand on that? Sure. It kind of goes back to my initial, in the olden days, IT said, hey, count on us, we'll fix. And it basically takes that responsibility off the owners because the business owners will say, hey, IT is handling it, but they can't transfer that responsibility. It is still the business responsibility to ensure that they're putting in those proper safeguards and being accountable for it. Now, having the IT department or outsourced IT manage that is great but that risk still relies on the business. And I think we see that a lot with information security as well too, where right. there's, there's, this, there's this thought that, well, we have a CISO right now, or we have a firewall, or we have a firewall and a CISO. It's like, uh, so, so information security is not, not our responsibility, but 
it really is. I know that it's a kind of a uh, overused statement that information security is everybody's responsibility, right. <laughs> but but really, it's like if if you if you own or are the steward is the word that I like to use more sure. of the information, then yes, you you can't really transfer that risk. You can transfer the mitigation actions, but ultimately the the responsibility of the risk lays on you. That's correct. Well, I. I always like asking that question, and I think that that touches upon an answer that, um, and I'm drawing a blank of who said this a few weeks ago, but it was one of the best answers that I had gotten, I think, to that. You know, I asked the question, well, what's the biggest risk in information security, small and mid-sized businesses? The the one du jour is ransomware right now, and because it is, and it works, um, but he said that it's bad advice, and I want to kind of pivot to the reason why you and I first started talking about coming on the podcast, and that has to deal with managed service providers and managed uh, security service providers and their provision of virtual CIO and CISO services, and that maybe they're not really providing um, exactly what the small business, medium-sized business needs. What are your thoughts on that? So the way, since 2009, I started working in that MSP world until uh, 2020. So have a number to 11 years in that business, but prior experience. What I found, and this is not all MSPs, MSSPs, but a good portion of those of the maybe 30, 40 that I've talked with over the years, and might even be more than that at different events, but mostly MSPs that I talk to, they feel that their responsibilities are to the technology and not with the guidance. Even though they have that VCIO or VC CISO roles allocated, for the past probably 15 years, I've been looking at compliance requirements, HIPAA, mm -hmm. FINRA, now NIST and CMMC, providing that guidance, simply if you're hit with ransomware, for example, what is the obligation of the small to medium-sized business to report that to those um, appropriate um, individuals? You know, the, um, the legal aspect to the oversight from a HIPAA um, um, health and human services from a NIST 171 DFARS and reporting that to the DOD. Most MSPs do not understand that and they basically stop at the technology. We will fix that ransomware impact. And then when we fix it, basically we're done. They don't provide that guidance to say, oh, you need to report this incident that might be a breach to the appropriate bodies so that they can act upon it appropriately building on that incident response plan, not only from a technical, but not a, and also a non-technical guidance of how to mitigate that incident. Does that make sense? It does, but it brings up a whole host of other questions. I mean, the, <laughs> it, it the, the, the first one, which is kind of pretty obvious, is um, stepping back about what information security at the core really is. And the way I like to describe this, and I've done this in the podcast before, is talk about the three lines of defense, where first line is operational management, second line is risk management, third line is audit. And 
information security as far as when you get to the virtual CISO or the CISO level, it is about risk management. It's not just about the technology. And yet I, I sense this disconnect where if you have an MSP that is saying that they're offering a virtual CISO service, but they're really not offering risk management with that? Is that, is that what I'm getting at here? That, that's correct. I ask the question and say, if I was a CIO of your company or a CISO of your company, then wouldn't it make sense that a virtual CISO or a virtual CIO would have those same expectations? Yeah. Where those lines blur, where they stop, where is it separated? And if you can't answer that, then maybe there's a disconnect between the SMB and the service provider that they're using. And that needs to be clarified. Well, and, and on the flip side, I, I think that a lot of times when I have um, uh, contacts, uh, prospects coming in asking about um, the services, they're, they're maybe first driven by compliance, but they, they really want to build their information security program. I, that's, that's who I prefer to work with. If they're just looking exactly. at compliance, I won't do that. But they already have like this sort of inherent understanding that, okay, it's I can't just buy a piece of technology and put it in. I need to have some guidance for the program and all of that. And to me, it would seem like that if they reach out to any organization that's offering these services, that that would be what they feel that they're getting. But that isn't necessarily the case, it sounds like, in some, some instances. Yeah, exactly. For example, um, somebody has a HIPAA compliance requirement. Mm -hmm. While it doesn't say that you have to do this, 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 and this, managed service providers, some, when I ask them that question, what are the possibilities? How do you create this environment? Things of that nature. They say, oh, we can do this, 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 and this. And then when you look at the HIPAA requirements, well, how do you expect to meet this requirement with that configuration. And most of, like I said, most of the companies I talk to, they don't really have an understanding of what the requirements are for HIPAA. So they're giving you potentially in, in specific areas, wrong information, such as having a, do you need a um, server? Do you need a domain controller? Do you need single sign-on? And well, yes, best practices, but it might not be accurate into the information that they're providing you. And, in several cases with different companies I've worked for, um, they've provided solutions that would have made them non-compliant. And that has a big ramification for that SMB company. Well, yeah, that, that's a that's a huge risk because, Ooh, yeah. because they're they're expecting that, okay, I have engaged this, and I'm I'm sticking on the virtual CISO side. Sure. Um, that that they have engaged this virtual CISO services in order to solve a business risk problem. And the only time that they find out that they hadn't gotten what they needed, because they're, they're virtually starting from ground zero, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like you, you um, contract with a lawyer because you're not one, even if you stayed at a Holiday Express or not. But um, you, you, it, it is only when they get in some sort of trouble that they find this out. Right. So I, I know on the other side of the equation, we've talked about this on the podcast before as well, that there's, there's a, this proliferation of virtual CISO services and people saying that they're virtual CISOs. And yet 
Um, back when I started this um, about five and a half years ago, the virtual CISO field was basically just like the, the fractional CFO. Fractional CFO, you were typically a chief financial officer beforehand, and then you decided to go out and provide your services on a fractional basis for whatever reason. Same thing with the virtual CISO. It, then the field seemed to be more or less populated exclusively but with folks that, uh, if not having had the actual CISO title, at least had extensive risk management experience that they can actually provide the virtual CISO services. But now you go on LinkedIn and you see a lot of VCSO on people's um, uh, descriptions, you know, their, their LinkedIn headers. And if you look in their experience, it's, it's, it's really not there. Um, have you been seeing more of this as well too, or am I just like hypersensitive to this? You know, I, that, that's something I have a difficulty with because there are a number of people that are in CISOs, not the virtual, but in a real CISO environment and they don't have an IT background or a security background. So I'm kind of on, on the fence of what is needed. If you have a great team of people, can you perform at that business level? I think it. Yep. So I'm kind of all over the place, but I have a hard time understanding how in a virtual CISO type of environment, how somebody who doesn't have an IT background can be successful because they need to understand the risks and be able to talk to those risks. So I'm, I'm kind of really on the fence of where it is, but for the most part, yeah, I, I do struggle with that. So, so, and you, you said, you said a, a key word there and that's team. When, when, when you're a CISO, you, I, there are some CISOs that don't come up through technology that, that some come up like say, for example, through the business side. Sure. And that's, and that's really okay because the CISO is, is a blend between technology, risk, and business. And you sort of like playing in all those three worlds, but you have a team to be able to fill those gaps, particularly on the technology side. You don't necessarily need to be um, a technology-based uh, or focused CISO or experienced CISO. But if you're a virtual CISO, you don't have a team. You're, you're, you're basically being contracted for that whole package of experience. And, um, and if you go into a small and mid-sized business to quote, learn on the fly, you're basically using a, a client as uh, on-the-job training, and, and sure. the client doesn't even know it. And, and I agree with that. And it's one of those things, the depth and breadth aspect of it. Mm -hmm. If that's the expectation of the CISO or the virtual CISO, then yeah, depth and breadth is critical into the success. If you're able to build a team of individuals, let's say you have a team of five, 10 people, and then different people might be familiar with the other areas, you know, bring the virtual CISO in and a team member who's familiar with the level of what the client needs. I think that can be successful if the virtual CISO does not have that background, but then it's a teamwork engagement on through that process. While a little bit more difficult, I think it's possible to, to do, but I do think that depth and breadth from a virtual CISO type of role definitely makes sense. So that that's I think that's a, that's that's good advice, but it still doesn't solve necessarily on the small and mid-sized business sure. um, side where they need to understand exactly what it is that they're getting and maybe also what they want. And having 
been in the MSP world and dealt with all of these MSPs, do you have any suggestions for small and mid-sized businesses how how they can uh, maybe the word would be better vet the um, the service that they're trying to get instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to go for the lowest bidder or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I've been in government too, so I understand that. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and getting the lowest, if that's what you're dealing with, then asking for a virtual CISO uh, is probably not the best way of spending those monies um, <laughs> because that rarely kind of comes together. It's that three um, legs of a chair type of thing. But, you know, from that aspect, the way I look at it is um, in CMMC, there's a shared responsibility matrix that's talked about regularly. And I think that's something that the business and the service provider need to, to understand where it starts, where it stops. And, and itemizing those areas of technical and non-technical that the business wants assistance with. So if you have a compliance requirement, you want that service provider, service provider, virtual CISO, whatever it might be, and say, here's what I'm expecting of you to do to mm -hmm. perform these tasks. Are you, aren't you, are we sharing this? And what do we handle? What do you handle? What do we share? And that's both technical and non-technical. And if you can go through that process, I think that'll help you put yourself into a better position, maturity. And then once you have that, work accordingly. So are you thinking that as part of the RFP process that um, potentially MSPs should offer at the very least at a high level, a, a basic um, um, shared re responsibility matrix so as to be able to explain to the client what it is that they're doing? Or should the client provide that shared responsibility matrix to MSPs as part of their, as part of their evaluation process or both? Yeah, I, I think it can go either way. But if, if it's a value add, having that managed service provider provide that shared responsibility matrix, because most of the small the SMBs probably aren't thinking that way. But if, I, if it, that's a differentiator, if I come and interview two, three, four different managed service providers, and only one of them tells us, here is what we're going to do, and here's what we're not, mm -hmm. whose template are, do you think they're going to use when they ask the other MSPs, what do you or what don't you do? So at that point, I feel that my managed services company might have a leg up because I'm now educating and forming the SMB. Here's things you should be considering. And then that might be, you know, maybe the other MSP might offer more, but maybe I have that trusted advisor type of hat now because I've actually educated them so that they can make a stronger, better position if I win or not. So... I can almost see an evolution here in the offerings and the continuum of the evolution. So you started with the virtual CISO being more or less an extension of the CISO folks that were doing it for the most part. And then a lot of other folks getting into the field, a lot of other providers uh, providing it because of its value add. But now almost with the field maturing where um, the public is understanding now that that there are different types of virtual CISOs out there. Do you see uh, in your crystal ball of events, if you have <laughs> one, um, where this is going to shake out? Are we always going to have like, like sort of like a two-tier or multi-tier virtual CISO? Do you think that eventually maybe those MSPs, for example, that actually offer 
that sort of vetting process of the responsibility matrix and other items are going to be the ones that win out in the end. Yeah, and that crystal ball is is kind of unclear right now because I hear a lot of MSPs, a lot of the surveys on LinkedIn, for example, will say, how many MSPs thinks, think this is important and how many are you going to strengthen their cyber resilience and things of that nature? And it's interesting to see that, you know, 100%, 98% is the piece. And when you get into some of these discussions, they're not getting it. So that's where I think that the virtual CISO type of role is going to be that differentiator if you can provide that level of services. And it's also a checks and balances. If I owned all of your program, technical and non-technical, do you really get that checks and balances? Do you get those tough questions where an outside person looking in can say, okay, how are you doing this? Or why are you doing this? Does it make sense? And that's why I think that the virtual CISO type of role being um, outside of the managed services really has benefit unless that managed services provider can truly understand and fill that CISO type of role in the same manner in the virtual, it's gonna be really tough. Um, so virtual CISO, I think as a separate standalone, at least for the next five years, I think is probably the best piece but we need to see maturity in the managed service providers. Yeah, and I, I often refer to that as crossing the streams and old Ghostbusters reference, but <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's showing our age here. Yes, but uh, but uh, it um, um, really, it it's so important to keep, I think first, second and third line separate. Like you'll, an audit company will never come in and run your firewall because they can't do that. It, it, it's there's a conflict of interest there. Um, and that's typically the way why I try to explain it is very basic. Maybe that that's like a sort of like very basic level uh, maturity um, uh, shared responsibility matrix there. So, right. so, okay, that's very good information there. I think that both on the virtual CISO side and the MSSP side or MSP side can certainly get some good insight from that. But I want to kind of flip it a little bit now, talk about the human side of uh, information technology and security, because I've been in it for a long time as well, too, 30 plus years. I stopped counting, actually. It's just not worth yeah. it, you know, um, but uh, it can be very stressful. And how do you deal with decompressing, getting away from the stress? Because sometimes it's really hard to turn off in your mind. Sure. So... Two main things that I do. One is one day a week, and my wife allows it, so just putting it that way. Um, from about eight to three in the morning, I play Xbox. So I play Call of Duty, one of the older ones. Wow. Friday night, Saturday night, something like that, just to get my fill in of that. Um, so I I do that one one day a week um, uh -huh. if there's time. And then the other thing is, you know, my wife and I love to cycle. So we do that. I know that a lot of your podcasters, um, um, guests, they also do working out. So I, I do that on a regular basis. You do road uh, biking or do you do uh, mountain biking or? No, it's, um, it's uh, mainly um, we have in Michigan, we have um, railways. So a lot of it is um, old railroad tracks. So we'll do on the railroad tracks, they've blacktopped or um, put down rock and um, gravel and things of that nature. 
So we have hybrid bikes, so we can basically go on anything. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know uh, uh, New York has a lot of that as well, too. I'm originally okay. from New York. When I go visit, I've uh, actually last year around this time, I did a half marathon that was partially yeah. on railway railway trails and went over the Hudson River and all that. So that's oh, great. Yeah, that's cool. And I and, and I also love cycling. I uh, do. Do you do any um, indoor virtual cycling like Zwift? No, um, but my wife just uh, has has a bike that uh, is hooked up to um, she does beach body, so not to advertise for them, but nevertheless, um, <laughs> that that's that's the bike that she has. So we've been using that for inter in, inside of biking. Oh, okay. Well, very good, very yeah. good. Um, future plans. So today is actually my last day at the aerospace company I work at. On Monday, I'm starting with the company Defense Cybersecurity Group, and going to be dealing with the CMMC, the military DOD area. So CMMC DFARS continues, but then with other companies as well, where they're um, trying to improve their security maturity. So helping them with the cybersecurity framework and um, getting them prepared for a stronger, uh, that stronger maturity level. Awesome. Well, congratulations and, and best of luck in the, uh, in the new role and um, always appreciate uh, your input. I know you're active on LinkedIn and always have good insights. So appreciate that all as well. Great. Well, thank you very much. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining. It was a great conversation, great information, and I'm sure that it can help both, again, like I said before, um, the virtual CISOs and the MSPs um, in, in helping to provide, ultimately, what we're all trying to do is provide great services to small and mid-sized businesses. Exactly. All right. Well, thank, thank you very much, and everybody stay secure.